Welcome to Doorways for Learning. I'm Donna, and I'm here to open doors you all might have missed on your way to hurrying to all your other obligations. I have so much fun sharing these doors with you, who's on the other side, and what they have to share. So often, these absolutely incredible initiatives are hidden because we haven't yet gotten to the point of using transparent doors in schools, for instance. Or how about doorless classrooms? Not yet. Hopefully soon, one day. Have you seen designs done by educational architects these days? Just go into any search engine you use and type in educational environments creative, and you are going to see some incredible ways that students are existing in school in many different ways, comfortable, color, just unbelievable. You, you won't even recognize it as a school. So a lot of architects have put aside their traditional rectangles that are one after another, and they actually represent what is inside the classroom. Fixed size, fixed mindset, manifestations of learning in an absolutely contained control and finite way. Just think about it. You know, at some point, these architects realize that they don't have to make rectangular classrooms. There don't have to be walls separating each ones. There can be flexible walls. Anyway, they've taken a leap of faith and they want the teachers to also us. Flowing spaces full of colors. There doesn't have to be one exact place for students to study or listen to us or listen to each other. It can be fluid. Now, that brings me to the question of form because how does form reflect our core self? I mentioned in the last episode my pickup truck and realized that I hadn't thought about it for years. And it really seems to be a lifetime ago. I had a different lifestyle, different expectations. I don't even know what they were, but I moved around the world differently. And that pickup truck actually reflected a lot of what I was doing. So my question for you is how much does your choice of vehicles or lack of vehicles reflect your personality and your circumstances right at this moment. Just listen, example, my cousin's first car, one of my favorite people in the whole world was a Saab. In the 1980s in high school, having a Saab was like having a Rolls Royce in the adult world. And oh my goodness, did he love that car. It was black and shiny from the first day to the last. He took care of it like you cannot believe. Now we grew up together. Again, he's one of my favorite people in the whole world. But, and I think I'm his, one of his, but he would not even consider letting me drive it. No, 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 once in a while he would give me a ride somewhere, but very likely had it detailed afterwards because we have different measures of cleanliness and mine's a little more flexible. So I would get in the car maybe with dirt on my shoes. Oh my goodness. So I would use the term, I was earthy. Maybe I had a healthy relationship with the earth, but you all might think something else when you hear the word earthy. That's not really today's discussion. The point is that for my cousin, that sob, that car reflected 100% who he was. He had a very com comfortable relationship with valuable objects and he was willing to do whatever was necessary to maintain its appearance. Not me, that's not what I would have done. I dreamt of having my own Saab. If it worked for my cousin, I wanted it, but it wasn't to be. My first car turned out to be a pickup truck. I didn't go looking for it, but the universe knew that it was perfect for me. I had a friend who was desperate to sell her truck and I was desperate to have something to escape New York City, the noise and all the beggars and the completely insane work I was doing. I was often doing double or triple shifts at law firms. I was a word processor, which meant that I was just typing. I knew how to program computers at the time, but all I was doing 
option was typing as fast as I could so the lawyer could correct what I'd done, give it back to me, and I'd start all over. It was incredibly meaningless work for me at least, but I did learn virtually every computer system that was out there at the time and still type probably 150 words a minute fairly accurately. It comes in handy. Again, not exactly the theme of today's podcast, but it has to do with form. The advantage of buying that gorgeous little blue Ford pickup truck from a friend was also that I had absolutely no credit and couldn't imagine any reputable dealership selling me a car. So she drove her truck up to my door at 9th and Broadway in New York City, put a few belongings in the back of it and took off. I had no idea what I was looking for, but it wasn't in New York. So at some point I put a cap on the back of the truck so that I could sleep in it. But mostly it was open and airy and not really stable as small pickup trucks often aren't. So again, I would say that pickup truck was a fairly good representation of me at the time. A bit open, a bit closed, fishtail at a moment's notice when there wasn't a solid place to stand on, open to new experiences. And at the same time, tightly locked in a little cabin. You tell me. That truck became a good friend as the years went on. And um, again, I could throw things in the back without thinking too much. I made sure I didn't have anything really valuable to care about that I threw back there. I could camp out anywhere that I wanted to. And I had the joy later when I had a dog in New Mexico of watching him right in the back with the wind playing with his face and anyone who has a dog and they, when they stick their, their noses out the window, you know what that looks like. It's pretty funny and they just can't get enough of it. So very visual, right? Again, the question is, what type of vehicle do you drive? What type of vehicle don't you or haven't you decided to not own? And do you think that either of those things says a lot about you? And then we need to get back to education and the doors. What does it have to do with doorways to learning? Well, everything. If your transport of choice, mine was the pickup truck, my cousin's was the Saab, is a reflection of you, then aren't choices we make about learning or not learning also reflections of us? A lot of you are language teachers, so let's choose languages to talk about right now. I give a lot of workshops on languages because a lot of us don't ever really take the time to think about why learning a language can be so frustrating. And aside from the biology of learning acquisition, Mostly it's because it's very personal. Language helps us express not only our thoughts, but our emotions, and we wanna do that well. So when we choose to learn another language, for instance, it's very emotional. How does it make you feel when you're able to express yourself in your home language? And how does it make you feel, or how do you feel when you try to express yourself in another language? Listen, for me, I get self-judgmental, I get frustrated, and I get really demoralized when I can't remember a word, or when I know I just really messed up in grammar. So I had to really think about what learning and what language learning has to do with my ego, and that really got me started down the lane of looking at form and looking at learning as a way of me seeing myself and other people seeing themselves. So. Let's talk about the goal of language, because this also fascinates me. I'm in a country where language is, has a different definition than I do. What does language mean? Usually we think of language as a way of communication. We clarify ideas that are spinning around in our heads, or we try to clarify our emotions that are surging through our body, and both of those usually helps us feel better. 
but let's get a little more specific because my question here is, do we learn language to speak or to listen, to understand the other person? And be honest with yourselves. Nobody is there listening to your answer. I would love to know, but I'm not there. I had to think about this a lot. And I live in a country where, listen, people use language as an art form. And I'm saying that really diplomatically because I have no other choice of looking at it as a positive. People here speak as long as possible until they've reached the end of their particular opinions on the subject. Then they let someone else speak as long as they possibly can until they've finished talking about everything they have to say on that subject. Everyone else is waiting their turn and then the subject changes and they start all over again. Are they listening to each other? I have my doubts. They're speaking. So what is language? Is language communication or is it just using words to express yourself but not making a connection? And connection for me is everything. So let's talk about how language forms you, like defines you. And I'll give you a couple of examples. My sisters, I have two older sisters, and they are incredible. Between them, I think they probably have at least 15 languages, some of them the same and some of them different. We all learned French in the beginning because French on the East Coast in New York was very important. It showed that you were cultured and you could go to Europe and travel fairly easily. So my sisters who are brilliant, learned French fluently, traveled all through Europe, added Italian, one sister added German to her repertoire, and she and my father, our father, would talk to each other. Apparently, it's not possible, at least for them, to speak German very loudly. So they shouted at each other, basically, in very basic and very enunciated words. Who knows if they understood each other, but they had an amazingly fun time. And that really defined who they were. They just liked to have fun. So when I learned French, I just have to say that it was painful for me and painful for my teachers by university. They begged me to stop. So I did. I had no problem with it. I took up Hebrew because I was the only one in my university who asked for it. And I felt special. I felt useful because I was giving one Hebrew teacher in all of upstate New York work. But also Hebrew was really easy for me. Uh, there are no genders. The grammar is very logical. And if you don't know a word, you say it in English with a Hebrew accent and you're good to go. If you do that in French, they ask you to leave the country. So Hebrew was perfect for me. It reflected my non-conventional way of learning. I just needed it to be easy with very few rules. So let's take this all the way back to 21st century skills. I can do this. Trust me, you're going to see the sense of it. Two of these 21st century skills the World Economic Forum, the United Nations, and the OECD say that we have to give our students opportunities to develop cognitive flexibility and emotional intelligence. So if we define ourselves by vehicles we use, or we don't, if we define ourselves by the clothes we wear or others wear, the physical, physical activities we choose, or in the case of one of my brother-in-laws, how devoted he is to not exercising, if we, for instance, define ourselves by where we live and a home we own and a home we rent and a home, for instance, my, my nephew has a home on four wheels, how much does that shape how we see each other? And let's just say it plainly, how we judge each other. We don't need to judge, but we do, all right? If we're given the opportunity, as in the 21st century skills, to develop 
and be more flexible in our thinking when we were younger, if we did that for our children now, and if we help them have more tools in their emotional toolbox, would they be more flexible in their thinking and feeling? So the question is, are you open to these challenges? Are you patient with yourself? Would you have been more so if your teachers had added more 21st century skills into your schooling? Interesting question, right? All right, so this is to think about. Next week, we're going to hear from an incredible educator who helps students and teachers to feel safe in school. Self-defense, which for him begins with a whole state of mind. He's big on helping people to be prepared for any situation by learning to bring down reaction to action. You will not want to miss the techniques he shares. So until then, see what doors you can open that you hadn't thought about looking behind until now. Have an incredible week. Find activities that will lighten up your lessons at scaffoldingmagic.com, other podcasts at Doorways to Learning with Donna. And in the meantime, have a gorgeous week walking in nature, whatever you need to define yourself and feel better. And we'll see you soon.